Well, good morning, church. Hope you guys are doing well. It's always a win when we got to kind of cut the mingle minute short because you guys are chatty Cathy's. It's not a bad thing. Sorry if you don't like the name Kathy. It was unintentional. Bash. That's not how we start as a guest. Okay. Let me do a redo. Hey, my name is Amir. Uh, one of the pastors on our Conway campus. Just really honored to be here with you guys this weekend and, and always an honor to get to share God's word uh, with you all. Me and Beth, my wife, I'll introduce her a little more in, the, in a minute. We get to oversee an internship program in, in Conway for college-age men and women, and then we also help with some of our weekend volunteers. And we're just thankful to be a part of the team. I think this summer I'll be on staff for eight years. Uh, I've been a pastor. I didn't grow up in church. I never imagined doing this, even during worship. I looked at kids and I was like, this is crazy. I just, uh, sometimes I, I don't know why God picked me, but I'm honored to be here and to get to encourage you guys. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to Seth and Kendra. They are some of our best friends of the whole world. And there's a lot I could say, uh, but I did want to say, I think I'm, they might not have told you this, but I'm a little bit, or maybe a medium part of the reason they're married here today. Uh, so like seven or eight years ago, I was leading our college ministry, Seth and Kendra, we're all really close friends. They were leading at a really high level in our college ministry, and we had a huge serve team by the grace of God because so many college students in, in Conway, and I asked them to co-lead it together, to have a male and female leader, and they were on the same leadership team, but they had never really spoken so we had our first meeting. We met every two weeks, the three of us. And after our first meeting, I kid you not, me and Seth go back in my office. Seth was my intern then. And Seth said, hey, man, I think I like Kendra. And I was like, you like Kendra? He's like, yeah, I think I like her. I was like, hey, let's pump the brakes. Let's get to know her a little more. Yeah, I was like, we were in like obedience. You haven't even got to know her, know her, you know. And, uh, but he followed his gut, and it was right, and the rest was history. And so we've got to walk alongside them. And then shortly after, me and Beth started dating, and, and we got married. So... Uh, we were just thankful for them, but I do remember in the end of last year when they, uh, we were hanging out and they told us how they really knew with all their heart that God was calling them here. And just getting to talk with them this weekend and hearing all that God's doing in you guys' life and in the church and just thankful for them and, and, and thankful for a church who loves God and loves His Word. Will you give God praise for your pastors, just the honor the Bible tells us to do that. Well, if you have your Bibles or your phone, I want you to turn to Matthew 7. Verse 24, that's the scripture we're going to be in today, Matthew 7, 24, and uh, we're going to read that here in a little bit, but we're in this series, Seth mentioned it, Who is Jesus? This is the last week, I believe, and what we're going to see from Matthew 7 is Jesus speaking, Jesus teaching, but what we're going to see from Jesus today that Jesus is the rock, and um, he is teaching a powerful illustration about himself we're about to read um, but I also want to share some of me and my wife Bethany's story as of recently and how we really think this scripture has came to life for our family and how I want to encourage you with it. I've entitled this message, It's Time to Build. I want you to say, it's time to build. And I want you to remember that as we read this scripture for Jesus. But I want to introduce my family uh, because I'm just this brown guy speaking to you. You don't know who I am yet. So uh, this is my wife, Bethany. She's on the front row here. Uh, she's my best friend, better half by far. We've been married six years this summer. And she's just the best. I love her so much, the strongest woman I know, and very, very thankful for her. And that little boy is Dax Ray. He'll be three in May. Uh, Beth's mom is actually keeping him, so we have, we're a kid-free weekend. You know, we've just been partying all weekend, you know, uh, <laughs> sleeping in. We're just a bunch of crazy kids. Okay. And, uh, but that is Dax. He is sweet and full of joy like his mama, and he's brown like me. And I just, I did one part. I gave him the jeans, and here we are. But... He is the man, and uh, we love him so, so much. And you might notice in that picture, uh, Beth is pregnant in that picture with our second son. This was November, and his name is Kyler Brave. And I want to share just 
get a little vulnerable with you and share a little bit of Kyler's story and, and really how it pertains to what I think God wants me to share with you guys this weekend. We found out um, last June we were pregnant with Kyler. We go to our first ultrasound about 12-ish weeks, and our doctor had noticed some what he thought were some abnormalities. So he referred us to a high-risk doctor in Little Rock at UAMS, the big hospital. We go there a couple weeks later. They do a really thorough ultrasound. You know, they have amazing equipment. And the doctor on call comes in, and, and he tells us the hardest news we've ever gotten in our life. He says, hey, your son has a rare chromosomal abnormality called triploidy. And uh, what that means is he has an extra set of chromosomes. So how we have 46 chromosomes, he has 69. And what that means is he's going to start to develop abnormally. And there's some ways we know he's going to develop abnormally, but there's some ways we have no idea how he's going to develop abnormally. So we're like, okay. And then he said, the hardest thing we've ever heard in life, he said, hey, every child though has in, a, in the world who's ever had triploidy either passes away in the womb or shortly after. And I remember the look on Beth's face when he said that, and I just got so overwhelmed in the moment. I don't know why. All I could think to do was pull out my iPhone and start taking notes because he started saying, because of our son's diagnosis, other issues, other problems he started to see in the ultrasound and medical terms, and I was just trying to take notes. And we, we chose to carry Kyler despite the diagnosis, and the Lord blessed us to carry him for 30 weeks, and uh, we loved every week of it. We were thankful for that. And one day after Christmas, uh, visiting Beth's family in Boonville, just south of Fort Smith, we came home, and Beth woke up the next morning and was feeling very ill. And the doctor told us that would be a sign that, hey, we need to come to the hospital. And on December 28th, the next day, uh, we had Kyler, but unfortunately, he had passed away that morning. Um, so when he came, he was not alive. And um, we believe with all of our heart he's in heaven now. Um, which, which gives us some hope, um, but that doesn't take the sting of death away sometimes in the moment. And I, I, I want to say God has been faithful to us through all of this, um, comforting us, speaking to us. I wish I could tell you story after story, way after way God showed up for our family during the diagnosis after Kyler came and left. And, and um, our family, our friends, our church family, there's even people in this room who text us, prayed for us. And uh, I know this is a different way to start a sermon. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, man, spring break, wow, I came to get encouraged by God's word, this dude. Um, but I really felt led by God to share this with you, and I'm going to share a little bit more about Kyle's story and what you're going to see in this scripture and the point of this message. Uh, I really believe the Lord wanted me uh, just to speak this to you. Scripture says in Revelation that we overcome uh, by the blood of the Lamb, that's Jesus, and his sacrifice and the word of our testimony. And I just want to tell you, if, if you can hear me right now at the sound of my voice and you are a follower of Jesus, you have a testimony. You were at one time spiritually dead, and because of Jesus, you came to life. You were a sinner saved by grace. You were lost, and now you're found. But we have this problem sometimes in the body of Christ that we hear another person's story, maybe like mine that I just shared, that is different or you think is deeper or harder. They've been through more, and then we minimalize our story. But that's what, never what God asked us to do. Really, we're all equal at the feet of the cross, and we were all dead spiritually. We all needed Jesus. And I just want to remind you, yes, after I share a hard story, that your story matters. And God wants to use your story, young people, older people, your whole life to build his kingdom and to encourage other people. So just a reminder before we jump into Matthew 7, 
Your testimony is powerful, it matters, and it was the best day of your life when you gave your heart to Jesus. And if you're in this place and you're unsure about God, you're unsure about this Jesus God, I pray that you'd be open to what God might speak to you today and maybe give our Savior Jesus a chance. Amen? So now Matthew 7, verse 24, some context. In Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus is teaching what the Bible says, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is always preaching, but he's like preaching, preaching, like, I don't know if he had a wooden pulpit preaching, you know, but he's like, he's speaking for days on an area, and he's just teaching about the kingdom of God. He had been saying the kingdom of God is near, the kingdom of God is near. He's teaching about values, principles, things that they would need to know as followers of him. For example, prayer, fasting, how we should treat other people, forgive other people, how we should live. And right before verse 24, so Matthew, this, what we're about to read is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Right before verse 24, he gives this caution and he says, hey, make sure you're in relationship with me. Make sure you're doing the will of my Father. And the people say, well, Lord, Lord, we did all these things in your name. What do you mean? And he says, hey, that was the scripture he says, but it might come a day where I say, hey, depart from me. You didn't know me. This is spicy Jesus. Sometimes Jesus gets a little spicy. Uh, so this is what he says, Matthew 7, 24. This is Jesus speaking. He says, therefore, what we just read, that context, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them to practice is like a wise man who builds his house on rock. And we would know he's the rock. Maybe you heard this scripture before. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall. Why? Because it had built its house, its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them to practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Verse 28, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he had taught as one with authority, listen to this, not as the teachers of their law. The Bible gives a little jab <laughs> there to the, to the Pharisees and the teachers of their time. I think that's funny. So Jesus is giving this illustration. Two men building a house, and he said, hey, those who hear my words and put them in practice is like a wise man who's building his house on rock. And when these storms of life came, we all go through storms, they stood firm because his house was on a firm foundation, Jesus. But the same guy who built, who heard the words, but built his, did not put them in practice, like a man who built his house on sand. The storms came, the winds blew, but they fell with a great crash. Both hear the word of God, both go through a storm. Both externally, houses look similar, but we both know they had a different end result. So just kind of a main idea for this weekend I want to encourage you with based off this scripture is when we build our lives on Jesus, if you're taking notes, he will sustain us through the storms we face. When we build our lives on Jesus, he's the rock. He will sustain us through the storms we face. This promise has came to life for me and my family in the hardest storm we've ever gone through, I read this scripture in January, and I felt like the Lord said that. Hey, you stood, even though you went through a storm. I'm from Oklahoma. Storms are real. Storms do damage. But in Jesus, you will stand firm after the storm. And as a pastor and as a fellow believer, I, maybe you're going through a storm right now, but one day, if you will, I don't want you to fall. I don't want there to be a great crash in your life because your life was built on something else and not Jesus Christ. Amen, church. It's time to build. Uh, last October, 
I was watching the art conference. The art conference is the is a association of related churches. is a church planning organization that we're actually a, a part of. That pastor's a founding member of. It plants churches all across America. A beautiful thing, and they do a conference. Well, John Maxwell, John Maxwell was speaking, the leadership guru, man of God. I mean, I mean, just a legend, you know. And he's speaking. And he looks at the crowd and he says, you ever heard that song? You maybe sung in children's church, the wise man builds his house upon the rock. I'm 34 years old. I never go to church and watch my computer. I was like, I don't know that song. What, I don't know, what is he talking about? And I called Beth. I was like, call Beth in here. So 74-year-old John Maxwell, full suit, stands up and he's like, I think we should sing this song. And this man's doing dances and doing hand size, like kids bop, you know. And he's like doing these motions. And he's older, you know. He's an older guy. And I was like, Beth, Beth, come in here. And it was incredible. I had never heard that song in my life. Well... That's, that song is based off Matthew 7, the scripture we just read. Well, I just thought in honor of that and learning that song, I want to sing that song with y'all this weekend. And uh, I didn't grow up in church. How many of y'all know what song I'm talking about? The wise man builds his house for rock. Okay, for those of you who don't, I have production put on the screen. So there's no excuses uh, for you to be like, I don't know that song. I can't sing. So we're going to sing the first two parts. Don't let me sing alone. Let me take a breath. Okay, we're going to go in three. One, two, three. Somebody know hand signals like, you know what I'm saying? So you can feel free to do them. One, two, three. The wise man builds his house upon the rock. As you get a cut, jump in. The wise man builds his house upon the rock. The wise man builds his house upon the rock. And the rain came tumbling down. Spear fingers. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. Y'all do it great. The rains came down and the floods came up. But the house on the rock stood firm. We're not dead yet. The foolish man builds his house upon the sand. The foolish man builds his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand, and the rain came coupling down. Finish strong. The rains came down, and the floods came up. The rains came down, and the floods came up. The rains came down, and the floods came up. But the house on the sand went splat. Give guys a praise. Come on, you did so good. Hey, we can have fun in church. Some of y'all are uncomfortable singing during the message. What's going on here? What kind of church is this? You know, it's a children's song because it ends with the house. You know, you never go up to someone who's going through a hard time and be like, it's like your house went splat. You know, you would never, you'd never say that. That's how you know it's children's church. A little, little PG. I had never heard that song in my life. It's based off the scripture. Why not? Um, a couple weeks after I was watching that, uh, that teaching, coincidentally, back to our story with Kyler, we had our 20-week ultrasound, which is like an anatomy scan. It's very thorough. Well, guys, I can't make this up. This woman, who was amazing, did an ultrasound for like 55 minutes. And for me, ultrasounds were just kind of painful because I could see what was wrong with my son. I could see that his brain was small. There was too much fluid. It wasn't, I could see things. And this one was so long because they're just trying to be thorough. It's part of their job. And 30 minutes in, I just pulled out my phone, <laughs> like get on my phone, and I'm, I just couldn't take it. It was painful. And I was like hoping Beth doesn't think I'm just checking out. I just couldn't look at the screen anymore. They're this huge TV so you can see ultrasounds. Well, the doctor came in. And, and the Lord sent us an amazing doctor on that diagnosis day that I told you about earlier. Well, he was out of town. So the doctor on call comes in, this older woman. She's brilliant, so smart. Well, she proceeds to do her job. She tells us everything she sees in the ultrasound that's wrong with Kyler, thing after thing after thing. And I'm so uncomfortable. I'm, I'm like getting, feeling anxious. I was just, but I wanted to be strong with Beth, but I'm starting to feel overwhelmed. 
And I remember she, after she told us, she left the room. We were staying there for some reason. We still weren't done with something. And I remember just staring at the ground. I was staring at, the, at my feet. And uh, I, I didn't really have anything going on in my mind. I just felt discouraged. And I'll never forget this for the rest of my life. All of a sudden, a song like, came in my heart and my mind. And out of nowhere, all I could hear was, the wise man builds his house upon the rock. The wise man builds his house upon the rock. And the house on the rock stood firm. And I just sensed the peace of God. In that moment, I told Beth in the car. And it was like the Lord. Sorry. It was like the Lord was like, I know you're going through a storm, but you built your house on me, and you're going to stand, son. You're going to stand. And it was like I sensed the presence of the Lord. I had never heard that song in my life two weeks before. And the Holy Spirit, that's what he'll do. He'll comfort you. Jesus promised that. He comforted me in that moment. I told Beth in the car. Because the reality is when storms come, that's when you find out what your life's built on. When life is calm, the foundation doesn't really matter. But when a storm comes, you see what you're built on. It will come and test you. And, and let me just encourage you, but maybe give you a reality check. Hey, being a believer doesn't mean we have an absence of storms. No, Jesus said, in this world you'll face trouble, but fear not, I've overcome the world. No, we have a Savior that promises he'd be with us in the storms, with us in the boat, that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. That's the promise of God. Yes, sometimes God will deliver you from it, but oftentimes he wants to walk with you step by step. And hey, let me tell you this. When the sirens go off metaphorically and the storms come in, that's not when we start to try to build our life on Jesus. No, we want to be building one day at a time, one brick at a time, so when the storm comes, we're ready. And we had been building our life on him. So for the rest of our time, I just want to give you two ways that we see in Matthew 7. How do we build our life on Jesus, the rock? So when and if those storms come, I want you to stand strong, and that be a testimony of you and your family. Amen. So number one, if you're taking notes, we got to consistently hear the word of God consistently hear the word of God. Matthew 7, going back to our key passage, verse 24, Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who puts them, or builds his house on the rock. I love how Jesus says everyone. He doesn't say just pastors. He doesn't say people that you think have it all together. No. He said everyone who builds their house on me is like a wise man who builds their life on the rock. And I want to expand on how you might think hearing God's word. Yes, you hear God's word on a Sunday when someone's speaking to you or maybe on a podcast or if you go to small group. But you also hear God's word when you're reading God's word all alone by yourself. If you're like me, I read out loud because it helps me retain information. You're hearing God's word then. And to focus on the beginning part of this verse, he said, everyone who hears those words of mine I want to focus on that why, because we can't put into practice something we haven't heard yet. And sometimes in life, we don't put God's word into practice because we haven't positioned ourselves in a place to hear. But hearing comes before doing, oftentimes. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
There's a correlation with increasing our faith as we hear God's word consistently. Uh, last month, this is so fun to tell this illustration with you guys, Arkansas basketball team hosted number one Auburn. And Bud Walton Arena always uh, sells out, but it was a record-breaking crowd, and they upset the number one team in the country. Well, one of my best friends tells me the story how they were, there was an interview with an Auburn player a day later, and he said it was so loud in Bud Walton Arena, he couldn't hear what his coach was saying in the last two minutes. Not like in a timeout, like during the game, there's a couple minutes left, and the coach is giving instruction, he couldn't hear him. He couldn't do what the coach was telling him. That's, that's awesome. He couldn't do what the coach was saying he was in position, but he could not do what he's saying because he couldn't hear. And I wonder if some of us are like this player in our walk with God. You're in a position to hear God's word, but the noise of life is so loud, you can't put it into practice. Hey, what in your life is too loud right now where you can't hear God's word? Is it the approval of others? Is it your pace? I'm not against hard work. But we got to slow down sometimes to hear God. Is it your past mistakes? Because Jesus wants to forgive you for those. Scripture says he wants to cast those as far as the east is to the west. He's not trying to hold it over your head. He wants you to be able to hear his voice and get that shame and guilt out of your life. So sometimes we got to quiet the noise in our lives so we can hear God and his word, amen. So some application for this point. Well, some of this is spiritual disciplines 101. Doesn't matter if you're a new believer or you've been walking with Jesus for 35 years. You find a time in your week, consistent time to hear God's word, to get in God's word. And don't make this religion if you miss a day and you start to feel bad and beat yourself up. No, life happens and we're busy people and we have work and school and families. No, one day at a time, find the best time for you. So if morning's the best time for you, before you go to school, before you go to work, before the kids are up, let it be in the morning. If you're not a morning person, maybe don't read God's Word in the morning. <laughs> That's not your time. Maybe it's around lunch or a coffee break. Maybe it's in the evening. I have some of my best friends, they read at night. It's just they put the kids down. It's the best time for them. But once you figure out that time or refine that time, seasons change, you protect it and you prioritize it and you make it sacred time, holy time, where you get to hear from the God of the universe. You ever wrap your mind around that? And then add in church on Sunday or life group. And let me challenge you with a thought. What if coming to church on Sunday to hear God's word was more supplemental rather than the source? Because what tends to happen for a lot of us, this was like this for me for years, the, the only time or the only consistent time I heard God's word was on Sunday. And don't get me wrong, we want you here worshiping God, hearing God's word, worshiping together like Seth talked about earlier. But Jesus said, give us our day, our daily bread. And I believe from that scripture, Jesus wanted us to eat spiritually the other days of the week. You know what I'm saying? He didn't want you just to eat one day a week and then hopefully that would be enough. No, in the Old Testament, they gave a manna for the day. And so they would have to come back and it was a dependence on God. What I want actually from you is during your week, you're having time with God and you're getting in his word and you're hearing from him and you're being encouraged by him and you're building your life on him. And then you come to church and it's more supplemental rather than the source. And then what you'll see is as you hear God's word and begin to build your life on Jesus, then you can do what it says. We hear before we do. Amen? And number two, how do we build our life on Jesus the rock? We intentionally apply the word of God. So we're going to consistently hear, but now we've got to intentionally apply 
Matthew 7, 26 says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them to practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. He says, everyone again. So Jesus is cautioning us, those who hear God's word, but we tend to stop there. Hey, and hearing God's word is not how we build a firm foundation. It's hearing and applying. It's hearing and doing. James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Sometimes people describe that as being doers of God's word, appliers of God's word, living it out, faith and works. Well, applying God's word can look a lot of ways. Oftentimes it's obeying God's word. It's doing what it says. A lot of times it's receiving the encouragement of God, the promises of God, the hope of God, the character of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. You're just receiving. You're receiving what Jesus has done for you. You're receiving the promises. Sometimes it's applying it to circumstances in your life. You read a scripture and you know it's for you on that day. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will speak right to you. You'll read a scripture that has nothing to do with nothing and God will speak to you. And there's usually an action step with that. He wants you to apply it. He wants you to own it. He wants you to receive it. And some of y'all might be here this weekend and you might say, man, Amir, I feel like in my relationship with God, it's getting stagnant and, and I'm not growing. Well, one reason might be maybe you're doing a good job of hearing God's word, but you're not applying it. You're not doing it. And it's almost like a lid on your life spiritually because God wants you to be a doer of the word. Um, Unique segue, we're currently potty training our son, Dax, okay? <laughs> I'm going to use the illustration for my son. He had to make it in here. Uh, so the other day, he had an accent in the front and the back. I'll let you imagine what those are. So we took him to the bathroom, and uh, Beth's going to get him new clothes. And uh, I sit on Dax, and Beth goes, Dax, where do you go? Pee-pee and poo-poo. He goes, on the potty. So that's right. Well, Dax starts jiggling the handle. Son, don't do that. Jiggling the handle. Dax, don't do that. Jiggling the handle. Dax, like, raised by Tolo. He looks at me. What am I? Are you listening to me? And he goes, Yeah. Because my son is very sweet. He's like not just disciplined. He just gets off in his own world and starts it. He goes, yeah. I said, okay, Dax, listen and obey. And he goes, okay. And then he shakes the toilet again. <laughs> and I just clapped my hands. Probably apparently failed because I didn't want to yell just to startle him. And I was like, Beth, time out. I need to be subbed. Like, come switch me out. I'm losing my patience here. <laughs> listen and obey. And I wonder if this is how, I know it's a silly example, how God feels towards us sometimes. He looks at us and says, son, daughter, do you hear what I'm saying? Like, listen and obey. Hey, this is how I see you, not as what they think about you. Hey, stop going that way. I want you to go this way. Hey, I've already forgiven you for that. Why are you holding it over your head? Hey, my grace is sufficient for you. Hey, are you? You're listening, but are you obeying? Are you receiving? Are you applying my word to your life? I wonder if God's trying to get our attention like that sometimes with him. So for some application with this point, there's a lot of things I, I wanted to tell you, but I think I just need to be real with you. Hey, obeying God oftentimes isn't easy. It's hard. It's sacrificial. It's refining. He calls us to be set apart. If it was easy, everyone would do it. Well, to build a firm foundation of anything, you got to dig beneath the surface. When they built this building before, when it was like a globo gym, and now it's a church, when, when they were digging beneath the surface, they didn't just put a building on top of land. No, they dug down. And when you dig down often, you have to remove unwanted things. 
So sometimes saying yes to God is sacrificing things that are comfortable but not for you. Sometimes it's sacrificing things that maybe you're enslaved to or you're addicted to or it has too much control in your life. And you got to get those things out so you can build your life on Jesus. It takes courage. It takes faith. It's hard. But church, let me tell you, it's always worth it. Saying yes to Jesus is always worth it. Money back, guarantee, stamp it, take it to the bank. It's always worth it. But sometimes it's so hard to apply and do what he says. So as we hear his word and do our best to put it into practice, Jesus says we're like a wise man who builds our house our life on him, the rock. And I believe when we build our life on him, he's going to sustain us through the storms we face. We're about to pray, and I'm actually going to have my wife, Bethany, come pray over y'all with me. Because when we were preparing for the message, I felt like that's what the Lord wanted me to do. But I really, with everything in me, just feel, (laughs) I just want to kind of give you a charge to end this message with everything in me. Just to kind of send you out, like it's time. I know a lot of has happened in the past couple years in our world, in your life, and I'm not trying to minimize on that. But church, I just came to remind you in favor, hey, it's time to build. Young people, middle-aged people, older people, I don't care if you've grown up in church your whole life or you're a new believer, it's time to build. No more excuses. No more misplaced priorities. No more regrets. It's time to build. Hey, we don't build our life, though, on ourselves or on other people or on our accomplishments. Those are great things, but they're never meant to be your foundation. We don't build our life on sin or addiction or things like that. Oftentimes, we're not even trying to build our life, but they consume our life, and those things are sinking sand. They're going to take you to places you never intended to go. Pride never intended to go. No, it's time to build. And let me just be real with you real quick. We're not building for storm protection. Oh, yeah, I just build my life on Jesus because it's so. If something bad happens, then I'll be okay. Or I'll just go to heaven one day, although heaven's going to be amazing. No, what, you, what you're going to see in your life is going to happen. Is you're going to build your life on Jesus. He's the rock. But then you're going to build your whole life up on him. And brick by brick and day by day, you begin to build your life on Jesus. And scripture also calls Jesus the cornerstone. He's what holds the whole house together. And you're going to build your family on it and your school on it and your life on him and your marriage on him. And then he's going to be a firm foundation with his grace and with his love. And then you're going to be an example and a follower of Jesus who not only his foundation and her foundation is built on Jesus, but your whole life's built on him. Everything you do, Colossians 3, is for the glory of God. And that's when we have fruit in our lives. And that's when we impact an unbelieving world, a a lost world, a discouraged world. Jesus is the rock, church. And I was reminded of that old song says, Christ the solid, rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Will you bow your heads? I just want to pray for y'all before we go back into worship. And I just want to take a moment, and we do this most weekends, I just want to give 
a group of people an opportunity before Beth prays. I just want to pray for you. If you acknowledge right now in your life that Jesus is not your rock, Jesus is not your foundation, meaning you are not in a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you're like me, you didn't grow up in church. Or maybe one time in your life you gave your heart to Jesus, but right now you're building your life on yourself or on your kids or on something else, and he is not your savior. He is not Lord of all. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. Hey, the grace of God is here from you, and it doesn't even matter what I say at this moment because the spirit of God is working in your heart right now. I've been praying for you all week, but you need to make a decision first for Jesus to be the Lord of your life or rededicate your life to him. That's the best but most important decision of your life. So with every head bow, and eyes closed, if you're in this place and you're saying, Amir, I need to make a decision to follow Jesus. Will you just lift up your hand? I just want to pray for you. And I want to pray for the best decision you'll ever make in your life. And really everything else from that flows from it. Yes, sir. I see you. Anyone else? Maybe you've gotten off track. And he's not number one anymore. We're so proud of you. Let me pray for that right now. Lord, we repent for the times when we let other things, other people come in line with you. But I thank you for the people right now that are making Jesus you as Lord. I thank you that you died for our sins. I thank you that you resurrected three days later. I thank you that you're the only way to the Father, to heaven. I thank you that you're sending them your Holy Spirit. I thank you that they're forgiven. I thank you that you say the old is gone and the new has come. And I pray your grace and your love over them abounding right now in the name of Jesus. Yes. And if y'all just stay in this posture of prayer for a minute, I want to pray for another group of people. And um, this could be someone that just gave their heart to Jesus, or maybe you've been following Jesus for all your life. Um, but you just feel led by the Holy Spirit today to kind of have a lined in the sand moment where you want to say, hey, from this day forward, I want to start building my life on Jesus, and I'm, I'm with you. I'm having that moment today, too. Every time I've heard Amir speak this message, I've, there have been things that I've realized that have become the foundation in my life that were never meant to be. So if you want to have that moment in agreement with the body today, will you just raise your hand real quick? I just want to see what I'm praying for. My hand is raised with you. Praise God. Well, I'm going to pray. Y'all will just pray in agreement with me. Lord God, we just come to you right now, Jesus, and first and foremost, Lord, we just repent. God, would you please forgive us, Jesus, for the times that we have valued other things more than you. I thank you, God, that you are the rock of ages, that you existed before time began, and you will exist for all of eternity. Mm -hmm. So we just thank you for who you are, God, and we ask, God, would you forgive us for the times that we have been filled with the fear of man, that we have valued other people's opinions more than your own. And God, we, in the true term of repentance, we turn in this moment. As your body, God, we turn away from those things that have held greater importance, and we say we choose to build on you, Jesus. And I just pray, God, that over everyone at the sound of my voice, that you, and myself included, that you would open our ears to hear your voice, yes. God. I pray that for every person in here, whether it be in their car when they turn it to worship music, or they set aside time and they open your word, or they simply just say, God, what are you saying to me today? Open their ears, Holy Spirit, that they would hear you and hear what you're saying. And I also just ask, Jesus, would you give us the courage to obey? I pray bravery over every person at the sound of my voice, God, that you, the bravery would rise up in them when it's hard to say yes, Lord, that you would fill us with bravery and courage to obey you at all costs. 
because we know, Lord, that your intentions for us are good, and anything that you ask of us is always for our good and for your glory. So we say yes to you, God, and I also just pray, God, for anyone in this room that maybe feels like they've been through something hard and their, their house didn't stand firm, and they may feel shame right now. God, I thank you that your posture towards them is not one of disappointment. Yeah. It's not one of discouragement or sadness. God, you are just looking at them as a proud dad saying, hey, it's okay, but now it's time to build. So, God, we just commit in this moment to build our lives on you. We ask for your help with that. We love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.